Who are the 24 elders of the book of Revelation? Do they represent the church, the body of Christ, Israel, or something else? We are introduced to the 24 elders in Revelation chapter 4. They are also mentioned in chapters 5, 7, 11, 14, and 19. It's interesting that we read about the 24 elders nowhere else in the Bible, which means that their identity should be obvious, needing no explanation. The 24 elders are sitting on thrones before the throne of God. For centuries, believers have asked, who are the 24 elders? What is the significance of the number 24? And do they have any application to the church, the body of Christ? The word elders is found 179 times in the King James Bible, mostly referring to Israel. The Apostle Paul uses the term only twice in his epistles with reference to the local church, not heavenly places. Church tradition holds that these 24 elders represent the church. If that's true, then the number 24 should have some significance to us, the body of Christ. Greetings, I'm Dr. Paul Felter. Welcome to my video podcast where I expose church fallacies and flawed Christian traditions with Bible truth. We let the Bible speak for itself. If you appreciate these video podcasts, please consider subscribing to my YouTube channel or my podcast channel, both named Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Click the notification bell also to know when I release a new video. Also, please visit my website, breadoflife.media, for additional resources, including my free PDF chart of your Bible, Rightly Divided. So let's examine the scriptures for clues as to the identity of the 24 elders. The first mention is in Revelation chapter 4, verse 4. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. The 24 elders sitting on the thrones before God are clothed in white robes. Most of the scriptures mentioning white robes or white linen or white raiment are found in the book of Revelation. In the Old Testament, the singers of the tribe of Levi were clothed with white linen in 2 Chronicles 5.12. That's the only time in the Old Testament the term is used. In the book of Revelation, there are white horses, white raiment, white stones, white robes, white clouds, and a great white throne. Each time, the primary characteristic of white is purity and holiness. Gold crowns are popular in the days of Israel's kings, but were exclusive to the king. In Revelation, the 24 elders are wearing gold crowns, representing someone or some group having authority. So far, not a lot of solid references to formulate an answer as to the question of the elders' identity. For centuries, the church is taught that the 24 elders represent the church, the body of Christ, in heaven after the rapture. Using passages like the one below, showing the church saints are clothed with white linen and gold. Chapter 3, verses 5 and 18. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, 
and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. Revelation 3, 5 and 18. These words were written by the Apostle John to the churches of Sardis and Laodicea, to the overcomers of those churches. Church tradition claims that these are Christians during the church age that overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. So, the giving of white robes by the Lord Jesus Christ is to true Christians, according to church tradition. Well, you probably know by now how I feel about church tradition. Most of it is bogus doctrines of men passed down from the Church of Rome. Our Apostle Paul never singles out any person or group as overcomers. In fact, Paul never uses the word overcome or overcomer with respect to salvation, as John does in Revelations chapter 2 and 3. There is nothing we Christians must do to overcome as we already have eternal life in Christ. We are in Christ, Christ is in us, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. What else could we need in this life? Our Apostle Paul also never mentions gold crowns and white robes. There are no scriptures associating those articles with the church, the body of Christ. The overcomers in Revelation receive salvation as a reward. When reading chapters 2 and 3, it's obvious that not everyone is an overcomer. Many do not overcome and suffer a terrible fate. They are lost forever. But no such scenario exists today in the church, the body of Christ. Christians are all overcomers in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Now thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Galatians 3.26 For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15.57 But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do those passages read like only a certain group of overcomers will be blessed or saved? No, of course not. All true Christians have eternal life. We all will triumph in the end. We are all new creatures in Christ and children of God. All real Christians have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ now. In God's eyes, we are already seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The Christian is already seated in heavenly places in Christ from God's perspective. We are already citizens of heaven. Philippians 3.20 For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word conversation in that context means citizenship. So every member of the body of Christ, the true church, is already an overcomer. So the limited or exclusive overcomer concept of Revelations chapter 2 and 3 fails when applied to us, the body of Christ. In those chapters, 
Only the overcomer receives a gold crown and a white robe. That paradigm does not exist in the body of Christ, as we are all overcomers. Church tradition has it that crowns are given as rewards to Christians by our Lord Jesus Christ. The so-called Christian at the Church of Philadelphia was instructed to hold fast to their faith so that no one could steal their crown. Chapter 3, verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Here are the crowns listed in the Bible. The crown of righteousness, given to those that love the Lord's appearing. The crown of glory, exceptional pastors and teachers. The crown of life, the martyr's crown, those who died for Christ. The crown of rejoicing, the soul winner's crown. The incorruptible crown, victory over the flesh. These crowns are rewards to the faithful, but the only crown the Apostle Paul mentions with respect to the body of Christ is the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8 Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. The Greek word for crown in the above verse is Stephanos. That is a victor's crown or wreath awarded at the public games, for example. The crown that Jesus wears is a diadem, a king's crown of royalty. The 24 elders are wearing the Stephanos or victor's crown. That means that they must have done something to earn it. Even though many Christians, certainly more than 24, will receive the crown of righteousness, that does not answer the question of who are the 24 elders. Let's continue with the text. Chapters 4, verse 10 and 11. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, and worship him that liveth for ever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Here we see the twenty-four elders speaking to the Lord. They declare the Lord worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. For the Lord created all things for his pleasure. The Apostle John made a similar statement in his gospel. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and 10. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the world, and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. John clearly states that everything was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Both Old Testament Jews and the church worship the Lord as the creator of all things. So this also is inconclusive as to the identity of the 24 elders. Chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Here the apostle John is bitterly weeping because no one can be found to open the book and to break its seven seals. However, the elders are not so distraught 
as they immediately know who is qualified to open the book. They reference Jesus as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David. These names are Jewish, as only a Jew would care about the lineage of Jesus Christ and his relationship to King David. That information would have little significance for Gentiles. So this is a clue that the 24 elders might be Jews. I can see some of you rolling your eyes, but keep watching. My goal with all my videos is to break the chains of bogus church tradition, setting you free with the truth of God's word. The truth will set you free. Now back to the text. Chapter 5, verse 8 through 10. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which were the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. A very revealing passage. The 24 elders sing a new song, not the old song of Moses, but a new song of Jesus Christ. The 24 elders loudly proclaim that Jesus was slain on the cross and redeemed them out of every nation by his blood. The remnant of Jews believed that Jesus would redeem his people Israel, as shown in the following verses. Matthew 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Acts 5, verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. These verses speak to Jesus redeeming and forgiving his people Israel. Even our Apostle Paul wrote that Jesus came to redeem them that were under the law, Jews, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Them that were under the law was Israel. So the new song of redemption sung by the elders is not unique to the church, the body of Christ, and is not supportive of the 24 elders being the church. Well, so far, we have no conclusive evidence that the 24 elders represent the church, the body of Christ. So let's switch gears for a moment. Let's consider the number 24. Here again, there's not much to go on. Moses offered 24 bullocks as a peace offering after the exodus from Egypt. The Nephilim had a total of 24 toes and fingers, six on each foot and hand. Not much help there. But instead of 24, what if we searched for 12 plus 12? Does the number 12 have any significance in Scripture? That sheds a whole new light on the subject. 12 immediately brings to mind the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. Let's look at some scriptures, starting with Jesus' disciples. Matthew 19, verse 28. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man 
shall sit in the throne of his glory. Ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. The twelve disciples will sit on twelve thrones, judging Israel. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. That verse accounts for twelve of the twenty-four thrones and elders. They sit on those thrones on earth during the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But when John sees them, they are in heaven, waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ, which happens in Revelation chapter 19. The twelve remaining thrones could easily be filled by the twelve patriarchs of Israel. Acts 7, verse 8. And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac, and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve patriarchs. The twelve patriarchs are the twelve sons of Jacob, from whom arose the twelve tribes of Israel. They are the original elders of Israel. An elder is one of age and authority. They are a good match for the remaining twelve thrones. If the twelve disciples warrant thrones, surely the twelve patriarchs do also. An important consideration for the twenty-four elders is the New Jerusalem. Chapter 21, verses 10 through 12. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. The new Jerusalem has twelve gates, named for the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve patriarchs. Chapter 21, verse 14. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The city also has twelve foundations named after Jesus' twelve apostles. So that totals twenty-four, the twelve patriarchs of Israel and the twelve apostles to Israel. Conclusion. Church tradition claiming the twenty-four elders represent the church, the body of Christ, is inconsistent with Scripture. There are no Scripture passages supporting that claim. Scripture provides little to no reference to the use of the number 24 in the context of elders, rulers, or kings. However, when separated into 12 plus 12, a clear and obvious understanding presents itself. The 12 apostles of Jesus and the 12 patriarchs of Israel. Since the intended audience of the book of Revelation is Israel enduring the seven-year tribulation, it is consistent that the twenty-four elders pertain to Israel also. The twenty-four elders are the twelve apostles of Jesus Christ and the twelve patriarchs of the twelve tribes of Israel. That conclusion is reflected in the New Jerusalem with twelve gates named after the patriarchs and twelve foundations named after the twelve apostles of Jesus. The twenty-four elders have nothing to do with us, the body of Christ. They do not represent the church, they represent Israel, more specifically, Israel in the Millennial Kingdom. Now I know some of you are sad, some angry, and some in denial. I used to believe and teach that the 24 elders were the church, 
but God opened my eyes to the Apostle Paul's passage, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Understanding how and why we must rightly divide the word changed my insight into God's word, unraveling many issues and inconsistencies in Scripture. Once you determine the correct audience of a passage, then proper application can be made. Most of your Bible is about Israel, as they are God's chosen people. Only a small portion is written specifically to the church, the body of Christ. That is the epistles of Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, that's us. The Bible is written for us, but not all written to us. It's all truth, but it's not all our truth. That's why Paul states that we must rightly divide the word of truth. We must divide truth from truth. There is a truth for Israel and a truth for the church. We must divide Israel from the church. Law from grace, works from faith, and God's earthly program for Israel from his heavenly program for us, the body of Christ. It's called right division, as you will clearly see in the next slide. An integral part of understanding your Bible is to see God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation in chart format. I have two such works available in print and PDF. The first is a free, rightly dividing the word of truth chart in landscape format. The chart displays God's timeline from Genesis to Revelation. It alone is a tremendous help in understanding the Bible and can easily be downloaded from my website. Second, a letter-sized booklet named The Master Key to Understanding the Bible. This 64-page guide is full-color and professionally printed. It has 13 large full-color charts displaying the right division concept in great detail. The guide covers the same material as the podcast and videos and is a must-have companion for the serious student of the Bible. The Master Key is also available in audiobook format on Amazon Audible. Both are available on my website, breadoflife.media. If you have enjoyed the video podcast, then please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel and my podcast channel, Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Well, thanks for joining me today. See you next time. God bless.